This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Chuck Air Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my very good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how's it going? It's going. Going good. Not too good. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan won't be joining us tonight, but he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, so we're kind of kicking off the first part here of a two-part series. One of our, like, grasping at straws to find um, <laughs> connections between movies. We should have um, opened with "Good day, mate" or something. Yeah, good day. Right? Um, I said that very American, but yeah. We're, yeah. Well, I I think all Americans do shitty Australian accents. <laughs> Australian. <laughs> just like Foster's. Every, like, talk like the Foster's commercial. That's every Foster's head, commercial. Like, yeah. yeah. Australian for beer. Or Crocodile Dundee. Beer. Um, there you go. See that that word. I get that word out. I, I do promise I hope no not to do an Australian accent for the next two weeks. <laughs> um, but what we're going to be doing is uh, covering kind of the, uh, I guess, exploitation, if you will. So uh, kind of genre yeah. films from Australia uh, over a few decades. Um, yeah. That's the one this, thing I found that they had in common. Yeah, because I think both of these were on lists. Yeah. yeah, both of these were on a list of movies that we wanted to watch. Um, and we are like, we should try to do themes again. And so here you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're attempting. And and honestly, there's a, you know, since one of the things we'll be talking about with uh, with these two films, though, is the concept of, of you know, these Australian exploitation films, um, uh, which... There's a great documentary that I want to bring up right away called Not Quite yeah. Hollywood, uh, The Wild Untold Story of Ozploitation, um, which uh, at least the movie we're going to talk about tonight is talked about quite a lot on there. Um, yep. That's the, that's the place where I learned of this movie or became familiar with it. Me too. Me too. Uh, yeah. So th- that's a great documentary. Again, it's called Not Quite Hollywood, and I highly recommend it. Um and it, I'm glad I saw that before I saw this film because it it, it yeah. did hype it up a bit. But yeah, we'll talk more about. Also, gives you some background on yeah some behind the scenes tidbits that kind of help you appreciate this one. Yeah, appreciate little. it maybe a little bit more than you might yeah. going in blind. Yeah. But, so um, yeah, so I think that is streaming on. Tubi, by the way, not quite Hollywood. Right. So if uh, go and check that one out before you. Although I was just about to say Mad Dog Morgan, but I recently discovered this week when I went to watch it that it is no longer streaming on Tubi, but it is available on I think Pluto on TV, Pluto TV, yep. the Roku channel if people have that. Um, also available through the, the li- public library based um, streaming app Hoopla, which is where I watched it. Um, but their copy of it, the version that's on there is terrible quality so i'd point you more towards the pluto yeah pluto was good if you don't mind commercials 
Yeah. So yeah, well, tonight we're going to be talking about the 1976 Australian Bush Ranger film Mad Dog Oregon. It'll be your money or your life. <laughs> me. Then tell me, what do you think creates a monster like this man, Morgan? You Chinese-loving bastard! Help me! Help me! I'm a tired stranger, man. A stranger? You're Daniel Morgan. Quite a man. He's a name with a thousand pounds reward and blood on his hands. I told you not to go for the police. You tell him, I'm coming across that river. What call you, senor? Call me Mr. Daniel Morgan. Uh, so this one's directed by Philippe Mora and stars a rather young Dennis Hopper as yeah. Daniel Morgan, uh, who was this bush ranger robber in the Australian outback. Um in the uh i'm trying to remember like what roughly decade this takes place in Uh, late late 19th century i think yeah 19th century yeah i think there was there was definitely some references to the american civil war so yeah i guess that's true thinking maybe contemporary to that or shortly after yeah because they're talking about lincoln's in america freeing the slaves Um, right yeah so basic plot is and this is loosely based on the actual life of daniel morgan um he's a a, an irish immigrant in australia who's working in the gold fields um he gets run out of the 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 gold miners camp becomes a robber he's arrested sent to prison tortured uh raped and then he gets out and goes back to just living in the bush and robbing people it's kind of like robin hood but without the redeeming quality yeah, Morgan is not <laughs> certainly at the very least or at the very most an anti-hero, but I'm not even sure I'd go that far uh, with his character. He's uh, definitely not really a Robin Hood, but yeah, I can see the similarities. Um, it's definitely got that. Uh, he definitely got a raw deal, and uh, he's kind of you know lashing out at the world. So I think you, a lot of people probably relate to him in that way, but certainly not like a good guy right Uh, and interesting too how it and and this is a common thing in a lot of westerns and this could almost be considered an australian western right um yeah though i guess that's that's what the whole bush ranger film is is an australian western uh... um the kangaroo western so to speak um is there are aspects of this that kind of remind me a little bit of like bush cassidy and the sundance kid you know with the obsession over your own infamy you know, there's a you know, Bonnie. You hear about that with Bonnie and Clyde. You know, the way that we kind of glamorize 
criminals from the past. Um, you know, we, we've done a yeah. few westerns here on the show, you know, especially like 80s westerns. We did Tombstone. Uh, we did Young, Young Guns. Guns. And Is that, I th- those were only westerns, I think, that we've I think so, which we should do more. Hit, so, um, yeah, we should probably do another round of those. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and uh, But he that's one thing Morgan does in this, too, is he, he starts to kind of revel in his, his celebrity. Yeah. You know. And, his and, larger-than-life persona. And I feel like they could have done it a little bit better, but I think in real life, Daniel Morgan was a... Well, you know what we do nowadays with, like, serial killers and, and the kind of big crime stories? Uh, just something that kind of got blown out of proportion in, in the... I think literally in the media, even back then. So, and you know, they were talking about the... Oh, whatever province he was in, Victoria or... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever, where he was doing all these robberies, they were writing about him, and they just made him into this, like, mega celebrity. So I think he started trying to live up to his reputation. And I I think that the movie does a good job with that and doesn't at the same time. I think they'll feel like they build in, like, the kind of celebrity that he had become outside of the... They they spend most of their time with Morgan and, and his crew well really i guess it was because only crew is what is his name billy yeah <laughs> who, uh, uh, an aborigine uh, uh yeah tribesman yeah yeah and uh but yeah I don't, I, i'm not sure they did a great job of of getting that point across but certainly uh you see that morgan himself is trying to kind of cope with that living up to his reputation to the point where he's a bit of a bumbling idiot at times and um <laughs> well, he he also you know he's a heavy drinker, um, and and he there's a, a scene in this where up to a certain point, so much I mean he's robbing people, but he's not hurting anybody. Yeah, and well he does yeah he doesn't I mean he he does kill people every now and then, but it's never you know he usually robs people and lets everybody live so they can tell the tale or whatever but yeah like he and he's not murdering people is what i should say yeah and that's there's a, a part where he you know meets this farmhand um or you know these the people on a farm and he's sitting there drinking with them and he's telling about oh yeah i got a bum rap they're trying to make me a murderer and i'm not one i'm not going to let them make me into something i'm not well he's so wasted that he fires his gun and it shoots a guy in the leg and the hand and somebody runs to go get the doctor. Well, he thinks they're going to get the police or maybe they are going to get the police. And so he shoots that guy and kills him. And that's kind of what leads him down to murder where, you know, and then you really start to see him kind of deteriorate over the years. Well, and it's, and I don't know if it's a stereotype type situation and certainly based on a real life person, but you know the the Irishman with a a taste for the whiskey kind of yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah he's certainly the the drinking is is shown to be his downfall like he's got his he's pretty got himself well composed at the beginning when he first starts his uh, reign of terror or whatever across the um what's what's the deal with the uh, there's two two Australian provinces that are separated by a river mm-hmm. I guess and and like. Um, Essentially, he was let to run, and I, I've tried to think of this in context of the movie and not like the historical character, which I read a little bit about, but um, essentially the law enforcement there was kind of letting him do his thing. 
mm-hmm. wasn't killing anybody, uh, but across the river, they were a little more hard-headed, and uh, this, you know, they pretty much said if he crosses over into our territory, we're going to get him. And once Morgan crossed the river or whatever, they make a big deal about that in the movie, um, then, then it's kind of like to war. <laughs> so Well, and it it doesn't help, too, that some of the some of the people that he's going after um, specifically are people that were abusive to him yeah earlier yep yeah the I don't I don't know what their ranks were necessarily but one of the uh, people that was like a warden or somebody at the prison he was in where he was tortured and raped mm-hmm. um, is later a police captain constable something one of the people leading the groups of police trying to apprehend him so there's definitely a little bit of a revenge aspect there yeah there's some of that and um wanted to mention a couple of the other names in this one that that people may may know i mean jack thompson is is a well-known australian actor um who is still active uh, he mm-hmm. plays he plays the main detective who kind of bookends the film. Um, his his Aboriginal friend uh, Billy is played by uh, David Gopili, who just recently passed away. You might know him as the kind of the main Aborigine guy in the uh, Crocodile Dundee movies. Yeah, Walkabout too. And Walkabout, yes, yeah. very good movie. Um, <laughs> and Frank Thring. Ring is in this one. Um, Superintendent yeah. Cobham, who's just choose every single scene. And of course, Frank Thring was best known for like Ben Hur and King of Kings, you know, these 1950s and yeah. 60s uh, films. But he's just so terrible in this. <laughs> like, good. Like, he's <laughs> such a terrible character. But he's yeah, got some great yeah. lines. Um, particularly, my favorite is the one where he's talking to the one I think it was like a scientist or some guy who, who the guy who was talking about how he'd love to study Morgan's skull because he think he might be part ape and mm-hmm. uh, and and the superintendent you know Thring says uh, the more I the more I see man the more I appreciate dogs it's <laughs> a great yeah. line from this one yeah I, it was it was so he's like the the big bad, uh, like the bald, um, yeah, superintendent. That's okay. Yeah, that's yeah, the, the kind of Alfred Hitchcock like so, guy. Yeah, and the guy at the end <laughs> like, wants to don't you know, forget di- the dissect his body, uh, turn his uh, scrotum into a coin purse. So mm-hmm. yeah, once it took took his beard as a trophy. His uh, yeah, yeah, you want to turn his scrotum into a tobacco pouch? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because then the the guy's like, well, we could make a you know, I want to send his skull to be studied to see if he's really his part ape. But we'll do a death mask first. And he's like, I don't really care if you do a death mask. I just want his beard and his sack. Yeah. And it's just, it's a weird... Yeah. yeah. There's there's a couple of parts in this movie that are like that. Like, it's like really almost darkly comedic, disturbing mm-hmm. lines. I think the first thing I ever saw Frank Thring in, which was after this movie came out, uh, was Howling 3 marsupials yeah Yeah, you know i don't know if you remember howling three where they're making a a bad horror movie in the movie he plays the director Hmm. so 
I'm not sure I've ever seen the marsupials. I know it's Australian, so yeah. that makes sense. But that was another yeah. one we could have paired here too. Um, yeah. So next time. Yeah, those are those are some <laughs> of the main. And of course, there's there's a lot of other people in this too, but those are some of the main actors that I really I noticed. Um, and especially since David uh, Golpili just passed away this past November. So. Yeah, I didn't realize that, and and once I saw him, I recognized him from mm-hmm. other movies immediately. But yeah, uh, it was only upon like looking at Wikipedia, I realized he had passed away. So, but yeah, there, like I said, there's a couple of oddly comedic, dark comedic parts in this. There's the the one old lady talking about like, oh, did you see the way that Morgan was staring at me? He was just looking me up and down. Oh. <laughs> I'll have some horrible nightmares of the stuff he was gonna do to me. It's like yeah. because <laughs> he's getting all getting all hot and bothered. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of nicely done. There's there's a few other. There's there's a lot of scenes that, yeah, they come across as kind of darkly funny, and in fact, almost the whole movie comes across as darkly funny. Except then every once in a while it gets really dark, and then then it'll kind of bounce back into having a sense of humor. My issue with the movie, and, and it's not necessarily bad, it didn't kill it for me, but is that it seems kind of like a series of scenes and vignettes, and some biopics tend to, or biopics, how I, people, I don't know what the official way to say that is, by the way, but um, tend to kind of do this, and, and, and usually the, the not-as-great ones do that, and it seems like a series of kind of scenes and vignettes, and individually they're done very well. Like, there's some really great stuff going on in this movie, but the whole of the story kind of suffers because it doesn't ever really find, like, a focus for telling the, the story or the narrative. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, there's these really great scenes, but they're not strung together very well. They don't hold together very well as, like, an entire story. But, um, one of but yeah, so... I was going to say, one of the only ways that you can really tell how time passes in this movie is by the length of his beard. Yeah. Yep. The beard keeps going. Well, and first he's got a full beard and then he tries to, that's how they're, when they're talking about Abraham Lincoln, cause he cuts his beard like Abraham Lincoln shaves the mustache off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and then it just keeps growing and growing. But then like the next scene, he's got, he's back to the full mustache and his long beard. It's it, yeah. yeah, it kind of, it's not clear how much time is represented in this film. Yeah, and and characters kind of come and go, even Billy. Like, you're not sure where he is sometimes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it's it's really, like, oddly strung together, especially because um, Jack Thompson, as you mentioned, kind of acts as a narrator. And he'll kind of come in and, like, kind of, and, and we find out later that it's at, like, his inquest or whatever, at the coroner's report, or, yeah, whenever they're standing over his corpse at the end. But, um he's kind of narrating the story as they go along, but they don't even use that to fill in the gaps all the time. Like, it's like, okay, you even, you even set up a narrator here and you're not even using that. Right. To kind of set us in place at the end of the day. I'll make the argument that I'm not sure it really matters. I think you get everything you need out of this movie. It's not trying to be, you know, a history channel special necessarily. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about Morgan. It's about kind of his rise to fame and then descent into, you know, whatever you call it, alcoholism or buffoonery that kind of gets him, gets him killed. But yeah, um, which I kind of hear, you know, based on what I learned in not quite Hollywood is 
kind of was like Dennis Hopper's experience on making this film. <laughs> yeah, apparently um, <laughs> this was shot on location, if I understand correctly. I think so. I yeah. believe the cave that Morgan hid out in, they used. Yeah, I think they used a lot of, I mean, not probably not structures, but a lot of the locations and areas that this was, you know, historically took place in. Yeah, and apparently Dennis Hopper really got into the character. Like, kind of hung out in that cave and just got drunk the entire time he was making this movie. Yeah, I feel like... He is visibly, like, literally intoxicated. Not just acting intoxicated, but you can tell that he is actually intoxicated in many scenes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he doing a little method acting to the point of, like, there's a couple of scenes where he looks like he's half dead. Like, Yeah. You can and, barely and understand it, what he's saying. And... and it makes it a compelling performance. I mean, it's it's like the epitome of method acting, right? He's, he's, he's into this character. He's getting down to the guts of it and it, it makes it a great it's a great performance but you can, i think you can see that he's gone a little too far with it <laughs> yeah just yeah yeah this this is this is like early or relatively early dennis hopper though yeah yeah this is before his kind of rise to well fame in the 80s um so yeah this would have been as a fairly young man. I saw him in stuff as early as the late 60s, I think. But um, what's the... There's a Roger Corman... Is it Roger Corman? Like a mermaid movie that he's in? Anyway, he's a really young guy in that. Um, I, well, I know he was... But, so. um, he was. Uh, he had a, a short role in the literally the very first episode of Gunsmoke. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. he's he's in that very first episode. Um of course, we've talked about him on other films that we've discussed before, like especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where he's oh yeah, has a phenomenal. Well, he that's another unhinged, just out there uh, performance. So yeah, yeah, he was in a couple of Corman movies, uh, according to my Google search I just did. But yeah, he was in the The Trip, which was an acid acid movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> with the Peter Fonda, both Peter Fonda and um, mm-hmm. Dennis Hopper, written by none other than Jack Nicholson. So yeah. Um, directed yeah, by Roger Corman. This is after he's already been in, you know, Easy Rider and Hang 'Em yeah, High yeah. and all that too. Yeah, Trip, Cool Hand Luke. I forgot he's in Cool Hand Luke. Um, so yeah, but th- there's probably very few um, starring roles. I think that, may, and maybe I'm wrong, but because uh, even at Easy Rider, I guess he's he's kind of the second second fiddle to Peter Fonda in that. So well, he directed it too. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. I guess I knew that. He directed that, too. So, but yeah, for a while there, he was, you know, I guess this is when he's really, you know, he's not, I, how, do, how do I put this? Dennis Hopper was a guy who, who kind of went in and out of popularity. You know, like, there's certain mm-hmm. films, like, later in his life, he was, you know, was still acting up until, you know, he died. Yeah. Um, so he, he kind of yeah, went. I enjoyed him uh, quite a lot in George Romero's Land of the Dead. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a, a a Don Rumsfeld type character, which was kind of interesting considering he was a bit of a fan of Don Rumsfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Yet was new new to like just play the character. So 
Um, yeah, that the movie I was referring to actually had nothing to do with Corman. It is a, a mermaid movie uh, called Night Tide, mermaid horror film called mm. Night Tide from 1961. So yeah, he's very very young in that one. But wow, yeah, oh, cool. All my one of my favorite Dennis Hopper roles too. Just to throw it out there, is Blue Velvet. Yeah, if you have Blue Velvet is a wall of shame movie i still I, i'm even a fan of david lynch and i still have never seen that it's like one of his only one of his movies i've not seen which quite possibly is his most popular film which is really weird i i, I highly recommend it he throws yeah. it all in just like he does in mad dog morgan mm-hmm. um so oh, he's a, i think he's an actor that does that like that's he goes for it and yeah i guess it's just very obvious in mad dog morgan because i I'm not sure that I've seen a movie where somebody is visibly, you know, <laughs> taking on the role like he does in this thing. Because, yeah, I mean, he's like slurring, stumbling drunk in a couple of scenes in this movie. So. Yeah, you, you know the, the infamous video of, uh, of Orson Welles doing the Palma Song commercial takes and he's just mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. shit-faced? Yeah, Imagine yeah. an hour and forty minutes of that. <laughs> That's mad well. He's very method about it because early in early in the film, he's not like that. So he's obviously doing it. You know, he. I think he thinks he's in character, like he's he's you know being method about it. He's he's getting drunk when Morgan's supposed to be mm-hmm. drunk. But yeah, it's well, and they it's, they, it's intense, and and he's it's 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 a pretty good performance like he 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 sells it for sure but well and i i like how they set up the character of of the legend of this guy right away with he's in this gold panning encampment mm-hmm. and gets into a little argument with some guy but they hash it out it's cool and he invites him over to like the Chinatown part of the camp which yeah. none of the other guys, none of the other the other you know white guys want to go to, because they hate the fact that the Chinese are there. But Morgan goes there for the opium, right? And when he brings he brings another dude along with him, it's yeah. kind of like, no, nah, it's cool over here. Yeah, See, he brings the guy that he almost got into an argument with, but he was like, I don't know, come with me, let's go have fun. They've got you know more fun stuff than everybody else. And of right. course, then all the other. Miners come and they burn it down, not because of him, but you you hear that there's some rumors going around that, you know, somebody died or got hurt because of one of these Chinese migrant workers, um, and and so just it shows right away, and also his relationship with Billy throughout yeah. the the story that yeah this is a guy who isn't like a terrible person, you know he certainly got his own code of ethics right like there's yeah. you know he, he's not murdering like flat out murdering people he's uh he is loyal to those who are loyal to him like uh like there's an entire at one point an entire like bar full of people that you know all know who he is that aren't turning him in so he's he's comfortable being mm-hmm. buddies with them he's not robbing them he's uh so it seems like any place like people are you know, treating him as an as their equal or whatever, he seems to be pretty. I I get the impression that his his victims, his robbery victims, he's so maybe the Robin Hood thing's working out better than I thought. But yeah, he's he's pretty much robbing the rich, <laughs> and you know, at least maybe not giving it back to the poor, but he's okay in places where people aren't well to do and wealthy. 
Well, what's it, especially towards the end when you can see he's really wearing out on, you know, this highway robbery thing. Um, mm -hmm. There's the one guy who's like, are you going to, he's got a cart and a horse, like, are you going to take my cart? And he goes, no, I'm not going to take your cart. And he's like, he actually gives the guy money. He's like, I'm going to give you a pound because next time I see you, I might be taking it from you. Yeah, he just like it's well, yeah, because doesn't the guy say he's like, I don't have any money, all I have is the this cart. Are you gonna take my cart? Yeah, he's like, no, but I'll give you some money because so next time I can rob you, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's this... take a pound, like <laughs> yeah, it, it it they do a good job of of showing the the humanity and the humility there. Um, yeah, and of course the big climax at the end is you know he's he wanders into this family's this wealthy family's home while they're having dinner and he holds them all hostage essentially but he's just wants to get drunk with somebody essentially <laughs> yeah well i think he's he's drunk and road weary like he just wants to i don't know i think he wants a place to just chill for a little bit and some camaraderie yeah <laughs> and uh yeah, because Billy is gone at this point. I don't know if he ever knows what happens to Billy. It's not real. It's not real clear in the movie what happens to Billy. Period. He gets into the you know grasp of the police, and we see a scene where it's insinuated that he is strangled by uh, Superintendent Cobham. Mm -hmm. Cobham. Yeah. Anyway. Um. But that's it. That's all we ever we ever see of anything that becomes of him so i assume you know he's he's murdered by them but i don't but then we see oh wait no we see him at the end mm -hmm. yeah so he's not <laughs> I, yeah it's, I, I it's take that back it's, it's one of the <laughs> things like in this very like, i don't know what's going like, on with billy in this but okay because yeah, i assumed he was dead at that point you know he's he's not with morgan anymore uh we see him strangled by the superintendent yeah and then yeah but then we see him at the end of the movie doing the kookaburra call yep like he really looks well. like he's taken over <laughs> yeah he's taken over you know morgan's robbing i don't know i was gonna say business it's not a business really i guess but <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a bit unresolved and i don't think it was necessarily intended yeah. to be i think it's just the, the and that's the stuff that is is you know um one of my criticisms, I feel like that that connecting uh, tissue in the movie just doesn't always work. Like you can't really put it together into a story. There's a lot of like it's a series of really great scenes, you know, out of out of Daniel Morgan's life, but putting it together into any kind of a cohesive story is tough at points. Um, Which of course it uh, didn't need to be, you know. I, no, I think, not necessarily. And it, I, I think when people make a biopic or when go they go see one um they accept at least they should accept that this is based on somebody's real life there are stories about them or experiences they've had that we're going to include but don't expect it to be literal timeline because of reasons like this you know and, and i just looked it up because i asked the question then i looked it up morgan was only really active for like a year or two no, oh, really. Yeah. That's it. It's not like this guy, you know, haunted the the hills for, you know, dec a decade or anything like that. Um, yeah, and I don't feel like you're able to tell. Yeah, this is about a year. Um, and so you know, you're still cramming a year's worth of stuff into a film. You can do that. There's ways you you can talk about time passing and show it, and this just doesn't do it very well. 
So it does come off like, well, here's just a whole bunch of stories about this guy, and they're just kind of slapped in there. Um, and they're all kind of the same story. <laughs> you know, and yeah. then he robbed these people, and he robbed them, and he shot that guy. Um, but I don't know. I, one of the questions I wanted to bring up for this is, how do you feel, be, because these kind of origin movies, uh, you know, think about all the American Westerns and stuff we've talked about on the show before, and especially when we covered Young Guns, about the, glo- the glamorization of gunslingers. Um, you know, Annie Oakley and, and Billy the Kid and stuff like that. How, how do you feel like the, the way this story, like the, the film of, of Daniel Morgan's life, how does it compare to the kind of American way of doing that? I mean, I think, I think it's fairly similar to a lot of those stories in, uh, in the fact that the, even in American Westerns, often the stories are tragedies because we're dealing with, um, people who are at, at if they're not criminals at the very least they're um, you know skating the fringes of you know outlaws it's a, the entire um, kind of point of the western genre but I think yeah I think I think the um, Morgan story is told actually very similarly to a western and that, that's I think that's why it's it's compared the Bush Ranger movies are often very similar to westerns um, and I think the culture at that time, though, they're, where they're all set, like uh, um, late nineteenth-century Australia, is the culture is very similar to the American West. It's it's a wild landscape. It's uh, kind of got a reputation for lawlessness and um, the kind of sparsely populated, and so that lo- lots of similarities. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, honestly it's it's it fits right in with those stories. Maybe not so much Young Guns because that's <laughs> that is a glamorization more than some of the other films. Not that it's a bad movie, but this one is certainly not trying to glamorize uh, Morgan Daniel Morgan. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I think it's sympathetic to him, but it's certainly not a, a glamour piece. He doesn't come off as some kind of a misunderstood hero or anything. Um, yeah, that's kind of my take as well. Like they, especially the last thing, they don't show him here as a hero, and it really is. Um, there's not really a redemption here. This isn't like a, you know, I I killed the man because it was self defense, and I just want to be free, and that's why I'm out west, and you know, uh, you know, someone needs their freedom, kind of a thing. No, this is yeah. guys been screwed over left and right, and. Well, yeah, it's uh, just wants to be left alone, more or less. And right off the bat, I picked up this uh, kind of criticism of you know law enforcement and the penal system, because I mean, <laughs> to compare it, of all of all things to compare it to, but I think it's got a similar kind of criticism that the the movie Clockwork Orange makes, and, and I assume the novel, but I've not read as well. But that um, you take somebody who's kind of a harmless lawbreaker or a harmless kind of, um, you know, somebody who's just kind of, well, in this case, in Daniel Morgan's case, just, you know, uh, imprisoned for what? (laughs) The, uh, 
opium dens and and such and the the fire and well i think it was it was for robbery because once he gets run out of that camp once it's you know burned no right yeah he he does go into you know robbing people but it's just because he needs clothes and yeah i think he makes what he makes one robbery he's arrested yeah thrown in the penal system where he is you know tortured he's raped he's under the under the the supervision of the you know warden or whoever whoever the character is that you know ends up being uh, the other uh, ends up being one of the cops that's chasing him at one point towards the end mm-hmm. of the film but yeah um, but yeah it's got it's got kind of that just like okay we took this kind of minor misdemeanor type criminal and and turned him into a career criminal. By by putting him into the system that just just chips away at his humanity by beating him and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so. it, it's it 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 ends the way that a lot of American westerns end where it's like your hero so called you know is is killed in a blaze of glory kind of a thing but in this one it ends a little mm-hmm. more graphic where they yeah you know as the aforementioned you know don't forget the scrotum oh um, yeah so. There, there are definitely corpse, some, some differences, but I do find that parallel that, you know, a lot of these are, are stories that take place in, you know, the American West, in the Australian outback. Uh, Robin Hood is just like it. You know, that was, you know, in the the, the forests of, of England and stuff. So it, it's kind of, these are stories that are, are common in a lot of cultures, and it's just about that being out in the wilderness, you know, kind of getting getting away from society because of how brutal society is, and you know, it's that old adage about becoming what you're trying to escape. You know, something Wes Craven did a lot in his early couple of films. You know, becoming yep. the brutality that you're trying to protect yourself from. In this case, you know, society's been brutal to me, so I'm going to go live off on my own. But I have to become that brutal in order to survive. And so, yeah, it's it's those yeah. kind of tragic stories, but uh, so. And yeah. there are moments in the movie that uh, the the lighter moments in the movie kind of function almost as a um, buddy road movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Morgan and Billy kind of uh, just traipse in through the outback, robbing people as they uh, as they travel. You know, well, just for they have a fun relationship too because Billy has made a comment that his father was white. Yeah. <laughs> and to which Morgan just keeps telling him, I, I refuse to believe that. Just, yeah. you know, it, it was kind of, yeah. it, it's showing a relationship that was actually, uh, you know, kind of kind of fun to see um, in, in some parts. So, and you also yeah. get the fact that it's, Billy kind of eggs, eggs him on a little bit too, every now and then. Yeah. So. It's, it's not well enough developed. Um, I feel like they could have done a little more with yeah. that, but it wouldn't, you know, w- what we do get works pretty well. So they have a interesting relationship and his, you know, I think that Billy is depicted as kind of his closest friend and confidant for sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I meant to ask you, what do you think of, we talked about Dennis Hopper's performance and it's just kind of 
unhinged at places. What what do you think of his Irish accent in this movie? It's it's about as fake looking as his beard. Um, yeah, it, the yeah. beard too. The beard is pretty yeah. bad at times. Um, yeah, so. I kind of wanted to justify my my praise of his performance, which I'm going to stick by, um, as you know, because that could be a criticism. People would say like, "Well, how can you say it's a great performance? His Irish accent is terrible." It's like, well, yeah, you're right, it is kind of terrible, but I think it's I the think... commitment to get so drunk that the accent kind of comes and goes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just kind of depends on the scene. Sometimes you can tell when he's really drunk because he's, he's he can't even get the accent out. He's just barely speaking um yeah overall i mean i i liked the performances in this i i really liked frank thring um i like mm-hmm. billy I, I i really did enjoy the performances but yeah it, dennis hopper's as good as he is the accent is terrible but it's <laughs> and when when it's present but it's yeah it, it i don't know if it would have been as good if he wasn't as drunk <laughs> yeah it actually might have been worse because i feel like the times when he's really give like really trying for the accent he kind of sounds like somebody doing you know like i don't know saint patty's day like leprechaun commercials like yeah <laughs> at times it's like oh yeah, uh, totally. yeah the, the lucky charms leprechaun if you will yep yeah so do you have any uh i guess any final thoughts and a grade um, for mad dog morgan I think uh, I had one quick mention of a scene that I really got a kick out of. We mentioned that there's some funny, um, darkly funny moments. And one of my favorite moments is when he's, uh, Morgan is robbing a place and a kind of cowardly older man, I don't know if he falls on the ground or what happens, but Morgan puts a bunch of animal guts on him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, and kind of convinces the man that he's, you know, been torn into pieces. Uh, I don't know why I thought it was f- so funny, but it's uh, just a funny kind of creative way to, like, get away, you know, make his getaway. Yeah, I think uh, he punches the guy and knocks him out. And then, yeah, he, he... When he comes to, he's, like, piled... Yeah, Cause the, the guy was uh, butchering an animal. So, like, yeah. it was... Uh, yeah, so he just kind of reaches into the... Know, trash bin where there's all this kind of entrails of this animal and like puts it on top of his he tears know, his shirt open yeah. Out. yeah then, he, then the dog guy come... comes to and he's just screaming like his guts are falling out which i'm sure anybody would do if that happened but yeah like... <laughs> yeah anyway yeah that was a just an honorable mention of a good scene um overall it's it's an interesting movie um I think it's mostly uh, its strengths are in its uh, kind of good scenes where uh, Dennis Hopper is, you know, giving a very strong performance. His, his performance could be uneven, and the whole movie um, is a bit uneven. When it's its best are these kind of like extended kind of robbery scenes where you you get kind of Dennis Hopper's reading of this character and him being super method and into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's it's a bit of a mess as is a movie like altogether, but it's certainly got its charms. It's you know if you like uh, westerns, I think you know even though it's an Australian set in Australia, I think you'll find uh, all you're looking for and you know most like uh, middle century American westerns in this uh, film as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it's a series of great scenes and. Uh, 
not really a cohesive like you know total movie so i think what i'm gonna do is give it about a c plus i find it very enjoyable but as a movie i just don't feel like it holds together as um you know as a historical or a biopic movie or whatever you want to call it um but there's certainly a lot of fun things to watch dennis hopper's you know great you mentioned frank thring and i think he's just a, you know a, a terrible villain we talked like we talked about a few weeks ago michael shannon and shape of water very similar kind of feelings towards this character as well um so all that stuff's really good about it uh david copili is uh billy and it is is their relationship and kind of the buddy aspect i thought was very endearing as well so there's a lot of good stuff going on i just don't think the whole movie holds together and i did want to mention i'm thinking of one more final thought and that is uh that this movie actually has uh been released in a very cut down version heavily edited version and the version most common in the united states um and europe is this like very heavily edited version of the film i don't know what version i saw uh trauma released it years ago um 2009 and they released the cut version of the film because they actually even though they had the rights to distribute could not find a good quality copy of the uncut version of the film so possibly we're Hmm. seeing a edited version of this film um and that may explain some of the plot holes we've been talking about so i'll I'll throw them a bone and and say that maybe that's you know this c plus grade is because we're not seeing the whole the whole picture but i'm not sure the uncut version has been released at this point you know the director's cut was released in 2009 by a, a company in australia called umbrella so it's out there but i'm not sure what version i watched <laughs> fair enough um yeah just to kind of echo some of that and to recap some of the points we made before this is a a, a low budget but darkly comedic at times uh but really kind of traditional western style tragedy based on the life of, of daniel morgan um dennis hopper goes all in gets wasted and really be- <laughs> he kind of pulls like a jim carrey when jim carrey did andy kaufman you just you know like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to become this guy for a while uh for better or worse and yeah, Dennis Hopper just kind of becomes this really drunk Irish immigrant in Australia who robs people. Um, but I think it works. Uh, I agree that it doesn't work technically, and I do also wonder if that, you know, director's cut is is the reason for it. Or the, the the heavy editing that went through is the reason for that. I'm, I would suspect that if there's a longer cut, I mean, they had to put something back in. So mm-hmm. I. I think it probably is just a product of that, but still, this is the version that's out there, and this is the one that ultimately was released first. So, uh, yeah, you know, and I think this was the United States theatrical as well was pretty heavily edited. So. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's a good example of exploitation film. It's low budget. It's got, excuse me, it has its gory parts in it, like the yeah. gut scene. So, Moments of extreme violence that just kind of come out of nowhere. So. Yeah, so it, it it definitely fits into that you know exploitation type subgenre. Um, overall, I you know even though this one was kind of recommended through a documentary that I really enjoyed, sometimes you end up watching those movies and they're not 
you kind of like don't really get what they were talking about. And this one, I can see why it's become a cult classic. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it has its problems on a technical level. Uh, but the story, even though it's, you know, choppy and, and doesn't flow very well, it is quite good. Um, and the performances are pretty good. So I'm actually going to be a little more generous and I'm going to give Mad Dog Morgan a, uh, a B minus. And so we would also love to know what any of our listeners uh, think of this one. Is this a film that you have a long history with? Have you never seen it before? Have you ever seen that documentary that we mentioned uh, The you know uh, about different Australian exploitation films? We would love to hear any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms. Please send those to the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or find us on Facebook on our main Video Junkyard Podcast page or the Video Junkyard Podcast group. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And if you like what you hear, uh, go over to patreon.com slash video junkyard podcast and uh consider giving a little bit to uh, help us produce this show uh if you do choose to do so there are a a number of perks that you can check out and um either way i hope you'll come back and join us on the video junkyard podcast coming up after our uh, osploitation trip we have uh a series of what do, how do we how do we phrase this? Uh, movies that kind of have like a reminiscence of are uh, trying to revisit the themes and feelings of the Ghostbusters movies, and we're gonna look at uh, it's, it's follow, so follow us on this one. We're gonna look at the Men in Black and uh, Evolution. If you guys remember that one, uh, another Ivan Reitman film. So, yeah, who just who just recently passed away. Yeah, very sad so, about that. Yeah, so that'll be uh, end up being our tribute to Ivan. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah, come back and join us for that. Yeah, we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we hope you'll share it around. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson. And don't forget the scrotum. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs> <laughs>